And welcome back to a special edition of the All Seminoles Pod. We have a guest with us this week, Ingram Smith, famously known for the No Cast. Ingram, how are you, man? Hey, gentlemen, uh, appreciate you having me on. Look forward to it, and uh, yeah, we'll jump into this. Not, uh, you know, no, we're not going to have to search too far for topics to discuss. <laughs> a lot going on both uh, in Tallahassee and the broader college football world. So, uh, again, thank you guys for having me, and look forward to seeing where this conversation goes. Yeah, man, there's a lot of meat on the bone, and of course we have our editor at awesomeadults.com, Debbie Visser, on with us as well. Yeah, I mean, I al- I already feel like a rookie doing this with you, Mike, and then now we're gonna bring <laughs> right. Ingram on as well. Like, how how much more of a novice can I come off as? Seriously. Hey, man, not hey, trust me, you're pretty you're a pretty big uh, a pretty good natural with this so far, man. So you know, my hat tip to you. All right, guys, so let's go over what the hell has happened the last week, if that's all right. There's been a lot. We have all the stuff going on. You know, we just got the news today with Michigan State. Yesterday, North Carolina. There's a lot going. You know, uh, all all that. So let's just kind of talk about COVID, bubbling college football, not really being a thing, but they're going to try to make it a thing without actually saying that that's what they're doing. So just some general thoughts on that. Start with you, Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I I try not to get too caught up in like the daily swings as to will we or won't we. Uh, at the same time, I, th- I think it's, you know, noticeable and, and should be noted that the experiment of coming back to school appears as though it's one that most schools are, are failing at or at least running into hard challenges. So I I think one thing that we can always or that we can almost certainly agree on is like all the layers of the onion as to amateurism have gotten pulled back pretty aggressively over the last couple of weeks and it's probably only going to continue further. Um if you want to play, you're. I think you just need to acknowledge, just speak the truth that everybody knows is out there. These aren't normal students. Uh, the student-athlete term is is kind of farcical in in its own way. And uh, do what you do. If you if you want to go, if you want to have football, if you want to go this far in the process, then the NCAA needs to uh, write, you know, temporarily exclusions for some of their laws and or bylaws. You need to let a student housing or excuse me athlete housing be a thing uh you need to let some of these things that they've been uh, against go and know damn well that you're probably not going to get them back but uh it's an interesting time for college athletics in general again i try not to get too caught up in the daily swings uh of will we or won't we because i swear if anything the past couple weeks have taught me if at eight o'clock i feel like we're going to have football by midnight, uh, I'll be concerned again, thinking that we probably won't. So it's just it's just a big uh, pendulum right now, and it swings, and it's probably going to keep swinging all the way up to the first week of September. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I mean, to Ingram's point right there, um, from, from a writer's point of view, you actually are faced with a lot of editorial decisions with regard to, okay, this is kind of news. Should I write about this now because they're going to make an announcement in three hours, and then it'll probably change? Exactly. So should I write this now and then wait and just write the bigger piece? Or, um, but I, I noticed one thing that um, that Ingram said in there. We, he kind of quickly edited himself from student athlete into athlete, which I thought was very appropriate. Um, you know, we actually we actually received um, editorial notice from the higher ups at SI instructing us not to use the term student athlete anymore. Yeah. Just go, go go with college athlete or yeah. college student. Mm-hmm. One or the other, um, but not the compound. So I, I, I think that's really interesting. And yeah, I mean, 
Ingram's right. At this point, um, it's let, let's let's stop with the charade here, the facade. Right. 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 Um, I mean, it, it's, it's out farce. there. The, the yeah. numbers aren't lying. Right. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of amateurism is also a farce. I mean, I think it's kind of time to yeah. stop all that at the big time college football level. That's been that way for who knows how long now. So. Again, they're kind of on a collision course meeting each other. You know, the rising numbers along with, uh oh, we might have to admit, uh, we're, this whole thing's kind of a sham. So it's going to be interesting. Well, we, we were already heading that way right. with the, <laughs> the name, image, likeness stuff. And then this comes along and really is serving as, as quite a catalyst, right? Right. Right. And, you know, speaking of the rising COVID numbers and, you know, last week, Forest they had a little bit of a almost mess on a tan. They had the dog and pony show that was – uh, Governor Ron DeSantis being thrown out there for the world to see. Uh, that was something special. We could touch on that here in a second. But we also had the Warren Thompson debacle, DJ Matthews, uh, the wide receiver room kind of having some probably legitimate concerns that kind of got turned into uh, just a big old mess. So let's start with you, Ingram. Thoughts on, on all of that, Warren Thompson, DJ Matthews, everything that took place last week? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's – so I we talked uh, last night on the Nullcast. I, I think ultimately you have to be, and I try not to be a homer at all ever. Uh, but I I think there is a positive that you could look at this. Now it's only going to be from the most micro of perspectives. It's only going to be those that follow the program at the level that you I um, our listeners do. I, I do think there's been a constellation of power I, I think the you know uh like mike norvell is your captain now uh he he is his his voice reigns um whereas maybe it wasn't the most uh you know that of which rang the loudest in the locker room previously so i think there is some good at that from that when you look internally uh i don't think thompson's complaints were were totally unvalid uh, i think there's some truth there i think florida state had a failure in protocols and i think florida state again had a member of uh you know executive leadership or whatever term you want to use speak in some ambiguities that could be misrepresented as perhaps untruths uh, depending on your perspective and depending on how you want to you know parse through people's words so uh they both you know need to be more um need to be more clear in what they're asking of the players. The players need to do a better job of following protocols, both uh, within the athletic center and, and like I said, maybe uh, more importantly outside of it. Uh, but then Florida State's got to look at itself in the mirror. And, you know, I, I mean, I know that uh, the president of the university has a, a rich political background and, and uh, his experience is his experience, but you know, I don't know that needing uh, to have a, a, a somewhat controversial governor into your IPF is necessary. I wasn't sure really how that came about. Um, it's not a not a bad thing, but you can't be surprised when there's a backlash to it either. And it, and it certainly sounds like it didn't necessarily go over particularly well with with a lot of the locker room. Good, David. Yeah, it it just it seemed a little bit kind of just staged. It was there was very late notice for the whole endeavor. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd agree that this this is really kind of coming off as microcosmic to our country as a whole and that there's, right. you know, we, we can all do better with this thing right now. So um, I, I don't know if it's worthwhile to hop on, you know, team coaches or team players or anything like that. Um, it sounds like there was, you know, there was plenty to discuss here. Um, I, I think that FSU fans should just be glad that it resolved the way it did so quickly because the day after when we were talking with Norvell and he was asked, you know, <laughs> did, 
did you speak with these guys? I mean, his answer, and I'm pretty sure I've got this verbatim. There's not a lot to memorize here. No, I haven't. Mm, Hard stop, right? Like, <laughs> and I was, I was like, are we just going to, are we doing like a silent treatment kind of thing here? Like what's going to happen? So you kind of figured there were some internal discussions going on and that's good. You don't need to, to air your dirty laundry. Right. I mean, it could have been a, just a huge mess and it did blow over pretty fast. You know, Warren Thompson released two letterheads in one week. I thought that was kind of, I mean, a professional way to do it, but he needed an editor like you mentioned, David. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's, you know, not here to make fun of the kid's grammar. Okay. Um, so, you know, Monday seemed to be, you know, we were coming off of a scrimmage. Uh, the team was coming off of a, you know, a scrimmage on Saturday. There seemed to be some good with the defense, some not so good with the offense, the offensive line. Uh, Monday, kind of the same old story where, you know, Coach Norvell did not like the intensity of the practice. He, you know, he was pretty critical of it. Um, so I'm going to start with you. And just some general thoughts on the scrimmage and what, and what you interpret as what Mike Norvell was saying yesterday. Well, I think, uh, you know, one thing that stood out that he said even today uh, was asked if he understood the player's temptation to take the foot off the gas on some days. And his response was, average players do that. I don't want to be around average players. Well, that's a, that's a good quote to hear. Definitely. Um, <laughs> you're you're going to have some, some work to do with the current composition of this locker room, I would tell him. Uh, but no, I mean, that's got to be, you know, look, if you want to come yeah, you don't go. You don't go to Florida State to be five and seven. You know, I mean, you don't go to a program like this to be average and to just go through the process. Uh, there's there's ten or twenty college football programs in the country that if you go there, you go there because uh, legacy, location, all this other stuff. But ultimately, you go there because you want to try to play college football at the highest possible level, and that should be what Florida State's overall goal is. I mean, it certainly has been the the want of the institution for about thirty five years now. Uh, they have firmly thrown their hat in the ring of, of trying to play college football in the in the most big boy of sense uh, when it comes to everything that, that the universities tried to do to facilitate having a as strong of a program as possible, despite some of the uh, you know the the weaknesses they have as far as the the age of the alumni base, uh, all the things that everybody's talked about Florida State. What makes it a little bit of a unique challenge? Uh, so I you know I. I think they have the right man in the job as far as uh, a guy that's not willing to accept average, a guy that's willing to push, a guy that's going to make a lot of these players feel uncomfortable because their their comfort zone is reverting to the the norm, reverting to uh, maybe two days on and two days off. And that's uh, not going to help you go through any kind of transformational process. So uh, I think it's going to be awkward. I think, you know, you're going to continue to have some some moments where the locker room itself comes to terms with the fact that there's totally new staff and their expectations of them. And yeah, I mean, you, there's, you know, the expression getting pushed out of your comfort zone exists for a reason. And yep. I think that's very much what's happening with this locker room right now. Go ahead, David. Yeah. Yeah. I like that comment a lot. I, I feel like I would be more concerned if Norvell was just fine and said every day was great right now. Right. Right. To, to, to Ingram's point about a comfort zone. I like to hear that there's disappointment because that reflects expectations, yep. right? And right. N- not every day is going to be great, especially – and I, I get a day after a scrimmage too. Yeah. Um, I mean yeah. not a day, yeah. but so a, a practice after a scrimmage. That, that's, that's somewhat of a natural tendency. So, you know, you're, you're coming down. You were just in Doak. You're in a more, you know, somewhat game-like atmosphere um, where you're not just drilling. Um, 
but yeah, they're, they're not all going to be perfect. You know, if, if, if all the practices are great, then by definition, none of them are great, right? If, if, if if everything is art, then nothing is art. So yeah, you're going to have some valleys, but hopefully this team can take them, learn from them, rebound, which is what it sounds like they did today, you know? Yeah. It sounds like they had a much better day. And I know that, you know, a lot of people were Kind of questioning the fact that he had his backup quarterbacks go live. I don't have an issue with that. Jimbo used to do that for, you know, uh, here and there early on in camp. He used to have some of those quarterbacks run, you know, live plays and get hit and take shots uh, early on in his tenure. So I never had an issue with that. I know we had an injury come out of it with Chubba Purdy, but it seems like they feel pretty comfortable with Jane Blackman. Where do both of you stand with your comfort level with Jane Blackman if you had to put some kind of number or gauge on it? Go ahead, Ingram. Well, I think he's going to be your, your quarterback, so you got to get comfortable with that. <laughs> um, I think James is a is a frustrating prospect to work with at times. It's not because he doesn't want it or he doesn't try hard. There's just, you know, I haven't talked to people in Tallahassee over the last week or so. There's moments where you think, hot damn, this kid's got it. He, he You know, he's making reads at a level that he hadn't made before. Uh, they've improved some of the some of the footwork and kind of the base uh, that gets established in his in his throwing motion. And then three plays later, he'll revert back to form, make a really bad decision, lose form. Uh, I just think that, you know, James is a reflection of of all the turmoil that's that's been around this program while he's been in it. He hasn't had consistent growth. Um, I think that there's uh, there's certainly an awful lot of improvement there for James, and I think he's had a positive uh, a positive camp so far, and I think. Coaches are somewhat happy with where he is, and again, that doesn't mean that uh, everything's going to be fine and all the interceptions are going to go away, <laughs> uh, but I do think that they think they're making positive strides with James and that he can be a, a real contributor. Yeah, I, I never really bought into the idea that it was going to be anybody else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, we'd write some stuff or we'd, we'd report some stuff real early in camp about Chubba Purdy and, you know, the, the Twitter responses would be, you know, a bunch of ebullient emojis and everything, but... I think people were just really kind of going nuts on the fact that there was finally a, a, not only, hey, wow, a freshman quarterback recruit. Look at that. Right. Um, yeah. But, oh, but also shocker. A blue, a blue chipper. Yeah. You know, they, they see those, the, the four stars next to the name. Um, but yeah, again, to, uh, to Ingram's point, um, sounded like specifically today, Norvell was again happy with um, with Blackman growing up a little bit. Um, said, quote, sometimes a throwaway is the best play, yep. right, with regard to um, him being a, a bit turnover prone. I just really want to see if we can, if we're going to get, um, which, or I should say, which version of James Blackman we're going to get. Is it the one with that great deep ball or is it the one who seemed to miss so often on it last year? Because that's just really going to be integral in Norvell's offense. And when you've got a weapon like Terry out there, you, you can't miss those the way he did that one. We all remember in the, the Virginia game, right? With right I was going to say UVA is the min- sticking point with me still. Yeah. <laughs> minute, minute and a half left. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I agree with both of you. I think it's it's probably time to just accept the fact that James Blackman's going to be the starting quarterback if Florida State plays a football game this year, which it's starting to look more and more like it. Uh, but that's a you know that, that's another topic for another day, I guess. Anyway, but to go a little big picture here, since we have Ingram and I have you, David, um, it looks like as it stands right now, ACC, SEC, Big Twelve, they're going to try to play this college football thing at least for now. So what I want to ask you. It, does this whole thing shift in the next couple of seasons, or does it take a little longer? Or are we heading towards super conference? Are we heading towards some potential realignment shift? What what comes out of this? I'll just call it the COVID season, for lack of a better term. 
Go ahead, Ingram. Well, that's a that's certainly a question that's kind of come back on the forefront of everybody's mind. The, the ACC's grant of rights exist until the middle of the 2030s. Um, so that's going to be something that has to be dealt with or addressed at some point in time if there's any kind of you know, rapid change of the landscape. I, I do think that when the ult, you know, <laughs> the the ultimate end days of, of conferences <laughs> come, uh, that it's only going to be a good thing for Florida State. I think Florida yeah. State's an exceptionally valuable property uh, that's only dramatically improved their academic standing over the last ten years. Uh, if these conferences hold, I, if, you know, look, I don't want to go in the whole conference realignment rumor mill, but I think that. Florida State would be a very attractive property to the Big Ten, for example, if they decide that they want to not just be, you know, a Midwestern conference. Um, I think the particularly the academic growth that the university has has taken would be something that would be appealing to them. Maybe it would be a Miami, Florida State, Georgia yeah. Tech, somebody else, something like that. Um, but I think it's only, you know, the the problem is when you look at the SEC. You could feel good about the ACC until you look at the damn SEC network money and what's going on there. Yep. And, uh, you know, oh, well, it's not just a 10 or 15 or 12 million dollar disparity. No, it's, it's actively growing. Um, and you can do that for a while and you can kind of box clever to steal an expression from across the uh, my friends across the Atlantic. And you can you know try to moneyball it. But ultimately, when everybody else around you, with the exception yep. of Clemson's earning 15 to 20 million dollars more than you it's just going to have a big you know it's going to have an impact and i'll tell you where i think you've immediately seen it is in college baseball man if i was the acc i wouldn't i wouldn't i know this hurts for florida state clemson georgia tech some of these programs that have these you know rich traditions in the sport but who boy if you go look at the facilities in the sec west it's a whole it's like a whole nother sport oh, compared yeah. to what the ACC is putting out there right now. And so that's the sport that it's immediately impacted. I think it starts to bleed into more of the larger revenue sports the longer that this kind of disparity is is in place. Uh, I just want to note before you go, David, Midwest Power, Rutgers University. OK, go ahead. I was going to say, if you can put Rutgers <laughs> in the Big Ten, you know, that's true. Um, that's true. <laughs> That's an interesting point because I believe FSU, um, when they vaulted up, was it the U.S. News and World Report rankings, um, <laughs> where they they I think they came in tied at 18th with I think it was Penn State and Purdue, a couple of a uh, couple of Big Ten schools right. uh, that I never, frankly, I mean being being from the Big Ten geographic footprint, I never thought I would hear not to not to denigrate my alma mater, but I never thought I would well, hear Florida understand. State on the on the exact same tier as schools like Penn State and Purdue. Um, I, I do kind of wonder, um, you know, I was I was at the University of Colorado when they switched from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. And one of the arguments offered there was that culturally, Boulder fit in a lot better with Pac-12 schools than um, Big 12 schools, which is completely accurate. Boulder is yeah. way more Palo Alto, Berkeley, yeah. um, than it is, you know, Ames or Stillwater. Um, <laughs> not, not, not that I've been to Ames or Stillwater, but I'm going to go ahead and just take a guess there. Um, but I, so I, I wonder, I wonder kind of how that would fit with with FSU and the whole cultural idea of the mid of the the Midwest, the Big Ten, or I mean, if that even matters anymore. You know, yeah, are we just that's... kind of looking at the a future of a bunch of Franken conferences here? That's where I think it's headed. Is I think we're headed yeah. to 
a four, maybe even three, depending on how it's split. There's going to be a surreal, a real select number of schools, in my opinion. Yeah, you're going to have some that are grandfathered in, but they're going to. I think at some point, the big, big time in in the sport of college football gets to a very select number of places that are actually competing and winning. I mean, it's already there, but it, I mean, it's really going to start to narrow itself down, uh, in my opinion. And yeah, and I think uh, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think one thing that I hear people talk about where I would give some general pushback is like, oh, well, we're going to leave Wake Forest out of it. Uh, that's going to be really challenging to do. I can tell you from a political perspective. I mean, yeah. these guys are, you know, that all go to, you know, boarding schools along the East Coast with each other and stuff are not you're not going to have like massive. <laughs> like, OK, yeah, screw Wake Forest. Screw Vandy. That's fine. Uh, like it, if you're if you're going to try to take. 10 from the ACC or something like that, then you're going to see what happened with, with some of the big 12 and you're going to see, you know, the governors of States get involved and you're going to see uh, the president of the conference whose brother's a congressman or whatever the hell. I mean, it, it's going to get into a complicated mess. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be some easy cleave no. where like, Oh, well, we're going to, you know, wake and, you know, f off and play Davidson and Washington and Lee for all we're concerned, and you know we're gonna we're gonna take everybody else with us. It's it's gonna be a complicated, messy divorce. I can promise you that. I would like that to happen. I would like to tell uh, Wake you, this. Yeah, see you later. Say, Mike's <laughs> yeah. a big fan of Wake. Yeah, yeah well, I I love Wake and what they bring to the ACC. Let me tell you, they bring mm-hmm. so much in all sports across the board, and they deserve the exact same cut that Forest State and Clemson get. Yep, that's exactly like, how it should work. Like, like I said the other week, golf. Yeah, 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 big golf school. Them and Boston College bring so much. We should keep them forever. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so we all tend to agree on that, and I think, uh, again, we're headed to – I think this is kind of the shift if we actually get a season. Um <laughs> I hate to I hate to put you guys on the spot here. Big, 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 broad question: Do we get a semblance of college football this season? Go ahead, Ingram. Uh, does Florida State kick off against Georgia Tech? Yes. yes. Yeah, In yeah. my opinion, okay. they do. Okay. They do. Okay. I think we will get there. I think. Look, man, we're fully committed. Let's stop again. We'll we'll take it back to the first five minutes of the podcast. Yeah. Let's stop messing around. If we're spending all this money on testing and all this stuff. Yeah then do what has to be done to make sure the sport's going to be played. If not, send everybody home, uh, announce that college athletics are going to see an Armageddon, the likes of which they haven't seen before, that non-revenue sports may not exist in three years, that all this stuff's going to happen, then okay, fine. Or do the uncomfortable things that are necessary to make the sport happen. And that's, you know, that's really what happens. Uh, We're, we're all talking about pulling off all the layers of this far, you know, this farce, uh, amateurism, but in a lot of ways, pulling off the layers of all this false uh, and, and farcical amateurism is the pure thing that's going to protect, like the tennis program or cross yeah. country or all these yeah. other things. You're not, you're simply not going to be able to do it. And if for whatever reason you don't have college football, and then you compound that with two years of teams and athletic programs not getting an NCAA basketball check, then who mm. boy, uh, the landscape will will never be the same. And uh, you'll see a contraction in college athletics that's that's hard for the, you know, three guys on a Skype call to even kind of put together or, or fathom, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you can't go halfway on this. <laughs> no. You can't go. You, you've got to jump in. Um, 
yeah, your, your question about semblance of college football. I agree with Ingram that we will kick off against Georgia Tech. I don't know if I don't know if we'll finish the season. Right. Uh, I would I would bet I would bet against it right now. Just looking at the the aforementioned examples of North Carolina, Notre Dame, Michigan State. Um, I, I would I would bet against a full season being played. Uh, it just it, you know, college kids take away the the football aspect. They're they're college students. You know, we saw the footage from the party at, uh, was it North, North Georgia? Um, you know, I mean, I, I, we're, we're asking college students to make good decisions. I can't remember a good decision I made in college. Um, <laughs> I can't remember a good decision I made before 30. Uh, you know, I mean, so this is just going to happen. I, I mean, I asked our, our contributor, Chloe Cutchin, the other day. I was texting with her and I was like, hey, are, are they back in fraternity houses, for example? Because like. Even before COVID, if someone got sick in a fraternity house, everybody got sick. Right. And and that was just like with the normal cold or flu or what have you. And she was like, well, they haven't been, but now people are about to, you know, they're moving back in. And I'm like, oh, man, there's just and, and I'm, again, I'm speaking for my own poor decisions as someone who used to live in a fraternity house. You want to talk about super spreader cultures right there. Just a bunch of idiots. Again, self-included. Um who are probably making it a point of going out and partying as big as possible kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I just don't, I just don't see how it works as much as it pains me to say that. I think uh, Florida state will play against Georgia tech. I also yeah. think that there will be teams within the conference that choose not to play at all. Uh, yeah. And that will have a ripple impact on the schedule as, as, yeah. as it is. And I think that's a large part of the reason as to why, uh, win percentage and some of the other kind of mm. interesting language mm. was, was written into the ACC schedule. That's that's a great point. Um, so Ingram, you kind of see it happening like just institution by institution, sort of like how how I think it was Duke was the first one to say we're out before mm -hmm. the ACC tournament and hoops. Yeah, right. I think uh, think you know on Tuesday afternoon or whatever, again a hypothetical day. I have a bad habit of doing that, and then people are like, "Hey, dog, Tuesday afternoon came and this didn't happen." Uh, so. <laughs> I'm saying that, you know, one day we'll look at Twitter and we'll see a press release that says Syracuse isn't going to play football or, or yeah. Boston College or something like that. So I fully think that that's probably in the cards. Um, and then it'll be just be a numbers game. You know, if and right. I've said this all summer, if it bleeds into the Carolinas, uh, if if some of the, you know, the real power base of this conference start to decide not to play football well, then we need to get nervous and, uh, you know, really start to go back into this uh you know, will we or, or won't we where we examine every, you know, every piece of news, every 10 minutes that comes down the down the old pipe. Yeah. And my 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 guess is if you if you made me bet right now on who the first team out is, I mean, I I don't know if Ingram was just throwing it out there as a as just an example, but I'd probably put my money on Syracuse from everything we've heard. Yeah, it doesn't look like Dino Babers and his team are going to take the field this season. That's kind of my guess, too. Oh, such, such, a some... such a promising year ahead of them, too. Yep. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, yep. Big time money they spent on the extension up there. Um, <laughs> what? I, hey, if you're listening to this, we're all three optimistic about them kicking off against Georgia Tech. Take that, hold on to that energy, and, and hope for the best. I would be remiss, Ingram, if I didn't ask you this question. I got asked to, I got told to ask you by numerous people. So I have to ask. I don't want to end on a downer, but maybe I won't end on a downer. Should Florida State be worried in recruiting uh, under Mike Norvell right now? This this far in with a, a global pandemic, him only being able to recruit basically via Zoom. Should Florida State be worried? 
I don't think so. Um, at the same time, I certainly understand people's concern with it. Right. I mean, there's uh, you know, you can acknowledge the challenges that the pandemic faces in recruiting and, and acknowledge all the kids that they haven't been able to get on campus. And then I think it's really fair to point out that, well, Florida State's not really lighting up the local recruiting trail either. I mean, they're not they're not killing it in Tallahassee. So uh, I think we need to be to be fair and, and point out the strengths and weaknesses as to what we can see so far. Uh, overall, I think it's a staff that's going to do real good things on the recruiting trail once they can get back to you know, living in a world where the traditional recruiting trail exists. Um, you know, unfortunately, some of that for us this year is going to be like judging, well, we got in front of a kid like a Marius Mims. We right. got him to consider Florida State till the end. But coming in third doesn't do a whole lot for you in recruiting. Um, so I think overall the staff is is there to have real recruiting success. I do think that there's this kind of awkward period where, You've got to rely on some non-traditional geographic familiarity. Uh, and as you kind of find your footing and transition back into the Florida, South Georgia, Atlanta, uh, you know, the, the regions and areas which Florida State has traditionally been dependent upon. Uh, but I, I certainly see people's concern and uh, it'll be something that, <laughs> look, when, when you're at Florida State and you want to win, you got to recruit. That's the biggest yep. inherent strength of the program is where it's located and its ability to get kids. Uh, so, you know, finishing 22nd in recruiting is not a good recipe for long-term job stability. Uh, but I don't think that you can, if that's where they end up this year, where you can make some, you know, giant leap that Florida State's not ever going to recruit at an elite level under under Norvell. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I mean, yeah. take take a breath. Uh, it's, <laughs> we're, we're, you know... I, 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 I do agree that um, it's good to have expectations. Right. Um, the opposite of that is apathy. Yeah. Um, and that's the death knell of a fan base right there and of a program. But, uh, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing not only from Norvell, but I think guys like uh, Coach Marv, yes. uh, uh, Coach Atkins, uh, I, I expect real big things out of these guys on the trail. Um, but, yeah, right now uh, it, it's, you know, things are kind of tough all over for FSU. And, I mean, especially the state of Florida. Right. It, it is just you know, Miami's Miami's doing well, but boy, lots of guys, lots of guys uh, leaving the state. Right. Yep. And and I think what's going on in the state of Florida has a lot of these kids looking to Miami a little bit closer than they normally probably would have in a normal in a normal, you know, recruiting cycle because of the pandemic. They've had to they haven't been able to go out of state. They haven't been able to go to Florida State and all these other places where they could see they're kind of staying closer to home. So I, I think that's why Miami's kind of cleaning up in the off season right now, at least uh, with what's going on. Uh, David, do you have anything else for Ingram before we let him go? I just really appreciate Ingram coming on. Um, you know, it's not, it's not my first time chatting with him, but uh, it's always, it's always enlightening for me. And uh, I, I, I really value his opinions and like talking with him. Appreciate it, Ingram. No, man, it's been, it's been great. I appreciate y'all having me. And as I depart, I will tell you that I got to take my girlfriend out to dinner. And so our, uh, anniversary tonight and she looked at me real side-eyed when i told her i was going to record a podcast particularly <laughs> one that wasn't the nullcast and she said you. well who is who is it with and i sat there for a second and i said it's with sports illustrated sweetheart and she goes oh okay so you uh go. you know yeah. the brand the brand's still there gentlemen uh you you, you charm her you yes 
<laughs> Ingram, thank you again, man. Is there anything you want to say or plug before you get out of here? If not, we'll let you go. We'll talk to you again soon, man. No, man. I appreciate you guys having me. I wish you all the the best of luck. I've enjoyed what you guys have done so far, both with the website and the and the podcast. And it's uh, you know, it's never great to follow Jeff Cameron on anything, but uh, really, really uh, enjoyed it. Wish you guys the best, and uh, I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. All right, thank you again, Ingram. See you, man. All right, guys. And once again, we would like to thank Ingram Smith of the Nolcast, uh, along with various other things, for coming on the show, for coming on All Seminoles Pod. Remember, uh, you can check out all of our articles daily over there at allseminoles.com. Speaking of allseminoles.com, I have my normal co-host here with me right now, Mr. Dustin Franklin. Dustin, what's going on, man? It's been it's been an interesting week in FSU FSU athletics. Yeah, it has. Interesting is uh, one way to put it. Uh, demoralizing is another word, depending on what side of the fence you're on. It, uh, depending on certain topics, but encouraging depending on the other side of the fence. So it's been interesting. That's that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's you know we talked about it with Ingram, and we talked about it with David there. Where yeah, well let's go back to last week, okay? And let's me and you break this down a little bit here because some of the Warren Thompson, DJ Matthews stuff, uh, you know they ran Ron DeSantis out there and paraded him around, which I don't think was a smart move in hindsight. Uh, I, I don't quite understand that move, even though I know the push for football to be played is on, as we're seeing around the country right now, North Carolina going virtual, Michigan State, even though they're not playing, they're going all virtual, Notre Dame's probably going to have to do the same thing, or they are for two weeks, actually. Um, so there's a lot going on there. So I understand the push for football, but I don't think bringing your controversial governor in was the smartest move in the world, yeah. especially when... Now more than ever, players are a little bit more political than they probably have been in the past. So mm -hmm. I think they know who he is and who he represents. And that probably didn't sit well with a lot of those guys, the ones that are actually, you know, politically involved, guys like Marvin, guys, you know, there's probably some pushback there. Um, so let's talk about – so let's talk about a little – that whole situation. Warren Thompson, T.J. Matthews test positive for COVID. We think there's some there's – some, there's some interesting – murmurs there around town that 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 we don't really i hate to speculate on that but just your general thoughts on what the hell happened last week yeah it just really depends on who you believe as far as your sources who you trust because right. uh i don't think anyone really knows the truth other than maybe dj and the coaching staff uh as far as what really happened there but you know the, the thing about dj is and I don't want to – if he did test positive, that sucks. I don't want right. to make light of that situation at all. That's a horrible circumstance. It's a horrible situation. However, what I do want to say, though, is there there is a bit of a pattern with DJ and his emotions. And it's been like that since day one. I remember, you know, he's committed to Florida State all the way up until – and then right before, starts flirting with Tennessee, starts flirting with Virginia Tech – and wow, you're going back back huh okay yeah well, i mean we got to start from day one because it right. is a pattern it's not a recent development right. and so then he okay he's he's still committed to florida state and so that let me know off the get-go because a lot of players don't waver back and forth on their commitment only to sign with their original team unless they love the attention the spotlight so that's i knew what i was getting into with, with dj from the get-go of course and then we fast forward had issues with previous coaching staffs had uh, you know some attitude issues, had some commitment issues, even flirted with transferring out of the program again, mm -hmm. and 
Then fast forward again, here we are, 2020, and like I said, if he did test positive for COVID, that sucks. I'm not making light of it, but I don't think that running to Twitter and letting your emotions fly over the keyboard is the way to handle that situation. The thing with Warren Thompson, that kind of shocked me because I haven't really seen that from Warren. Warren's he's kind of been under the radar guy his entire career. Um, Just to touch on that, the day before all that happened, Coach Mike Norvell sat post-practice presser and praised Warren Thompson for his work ethic and him coming along and him being a a big-time contributor to the team. And so it was so weird nine hours later to see all of that letterhead. You know, he probably should have gotten gotten an editor for That's another story. But, I mean, just – the craziness that ensued. Sorry, but I, I, I mean, the night and day of those two situations right. really blew my mind. You go from having what appears to be a breakout camp where you're looking like you're going to be a heavy contri- contributor to the be. offense. And, you know, the the team posted a picture of an incredible yeah. one-handed catch that he made. And it's like, okay, Warren, and no drama. And then all of a sudden, like you said, the light, the light switch flipped. The next day, it's a uh, letterhead full of, typos and poor grammar that is basically throwing shots at the entire university and institution. And I don't get it, man. And then how do you save face from that? Right. He, he apparently has. And I, it, that's great to see. I'm glad that because there was some speculation, you know, when uh, this was addressed from Mike Norvell, he didn't answer the question. Have you spoke to Warren Thompson? He said, everyone that's on this team is on the same page. What does that mean? Is Warren no longer on the team? And then we wait a couple more days and we see he spoke with Warren. Warren apologized, said he wants to be a contributor, part of the team, all that. That's great. It's just not a good look. It's another black eye as far as the uh, PR goes to this Mike Norvell tenure because right. the media, and I'm not, not even talking about the, the national media. I'm talking about Twitter in general, loves to take something negative and run with it before they'll even give you a hint of praise. Right. for the positives we still hear if you still scroll the timeline and see people talking about the whole norvell and marvin uh, situation even though marvin and norvell appear to be as close as can be now and so this is only going to make things worse when you have things like this happen you have people on twitter saying norvell's already lost control of the program listen after the past two years we don't need right. any more negative attention brought to this football program so uh, i do hope they get it together and get on the same page uh, starting at the top all the way down to the the walk-ons, just everybody. Right. And, you know, you kind of touched on on the, 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 the dissension between player and coach. And I think this may not have been as big of a deal had the Marvin Wilson thing not happened right. uh, earlier in the offseason with, you know, I've personally talked to every player or whatever, you know, all that stuff that happened, but those two patched things up. But this combined with this seemed to just kind of escalate itself. Oh, Mike Norvell's a liar. You know, you get all that talk. And and I just think Mike Norvell was very confident this time that, nope, this is what I told these guys. I've been very open. I've been very transparent. If they have a problem, they need to come see me about it instead of a letterhead that has a bunch of bad grammar. And I'm not making fun of Warren Thompson for that. No, no, but, no. I, but it's just yeah. – it's the facts. And listen, I want to point – Something out. I am very pro player using their voice, using their social media platform. I think that I'm I have no problem with a player tweeting out an issue that they have. And we have a little bit of a disagreement, 
Well, I I tend to agree with you on the fact that let's not go there first. Let's yeah. When, uh, let's was, go. Let's go some other options, and then if nothing's resolved, then I can take it to Twitter. Really use my voice because you know guys like Marvin Wilson don't have a big following. So for him, for guys like that to say something on any issue, you, people are going to take notice. And and I think that this compounded with that really made shit hit the fan for like two hours. I mean things were nuts, and then they weren't because uh, you know this team seems to have leaders: Sante Samuel, Marvin Wilson. Uh, I'm drawing a bl- oh, Jaden Woodby, you know, guys like yep, that, Jayden that really Woodby. stepped up to the forefront and d- defended not only the staff, but the medical staff, the training staff, you know, yeah. there was a lot of, uh, player led, um, it's just, it's crazy. But, but what I will say, and then we can kind of move on and talk some actual football because I know that this was a week ago and we're a little late to the party, but we'd be remiss not to talk about it is I think there was some legitimate concern that's fair from Warren Thompson and DJ Matthews and the wide receiver room as a whole, because if DJ Matthews did test positive for COVID, um, maybe let's let some people know uh, that we were exposed to this. Uh, Let's quarantine those guys, you know, especially in the wide receiver room. I understand. And I do think there has been some miscommunication with Florida state, the higher ups of how things are being done, the way testing is being done. I think there's some legitimate gripes there that hopefully get cleared up because, you know, we, like I mentioned, we talked to, to Ingram about it, but we already knew this. There's a power struggle at FSU. There's some weird power stuff going on there. There's transition. There's, there's just a lot of different voices in the building. No clear one, one path, but this was no knock to me. And I didn't take it this way. This is no knock from Warren Thompson to, the medical staff, the training staff, even even the coaching staff so much. I don't think it was. But when you put that out there, that's the way it's going to come across because leadership. But what's the first place that people go? The head coach. Yeah, head coach. Yeah, yeah. and you're, you're, you're right about that. And I want to go back. So when I said don't go to Twitter, I, like you said, I'm all for them having a voice too. Right. Because they are individuals. They are – Yeah employees based on who you ask and so if they that's feel why being... I, I don't want to ban by the way because then you're silencing voices and i think exactly. that that is a bad look as well especially now yeah and so my point i guess more was uh to dj and the pattern that is established with him being i hate using the word diva when it comes to wide receivers especially but uh someone who does seem to only uh speak up when it's negative things yeah. and only speak up when it brings attention to himself and so that that was my issue with that. But yeah, you're right. Address it with the team, and then go to to Twitter, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, post it however you want. But um, yeah, that that was my whole thing. I agree. It's just I'm ready to move past it. I'm I'm sick to death of the uh, the internal power struggle that's going on. Yeah, and we we could do a whole episode on that. And maybe at some point, I tell you now, if somehow we don't get a football season, which uh, we all agreed on the last, you know, the the last segment with Ingram. We're kicking off against Georgia Tech, and I think Dustin feels the same way. So yeah, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. So that right there is four different voices giving you guys the confidence that we are kicking off against Georgia Tech. Now, what happens from there? Can't tell you. Don't know how many games are going to play, but I think we are going. We are moving towards spending the money, doing what's necessary to make sure we kick off against Georgia Tech. So yeah. I think we should have some confidence in that, and that is why we can actually talk a little bit of football. First scrimmage was this Saturday. Uh, obviously, to quote 
a coach that used to be here. Saw some things I like, saw some things I didn't like, and that's about it. That's basically what Jimbo Fisher would always say after every scrimmage or practice. Um, and Mike Norvell kind of said the same thing, but he was a little more detailed as, you know, per the norm. Um, but I think the one glaring thing that most people took away was, okay, the defense is way ahead of the offense, which is something we expect this time of year anyway. But I think the gap is even bigger because of the trench play on both sides. We have yeah. what I consider one of the best defensive line groups in the country going against probably one of the worst offensive line groups in the country. And I think that's starting to bear itself out. I think that was the first real good look that this staff got at seeing that offensive line. And they went, oh, boy. Oh, crap. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say right now that uh, Adam Fuller, you have my full support. But for yeah. you to say that the offensive line came out and surprised you, come on, pal. I know it's line season. I I'm about to say, it's, line, it's that time. It's, it's time to get your lies off. I understand. But don't do that because there is a large portion of the fan base that will take that as the gospel. And no, we don't need that because I saw some videos from practice and woof. I saw some guys that should be leaders on the offensive line get put in blenders. And uh, yeah, that's right. if, if that surprised you, yeah, it surprised me too, but not in a good way. So, <laughs> hey, all they had to do was ask the Florida State fan base if the offensive line was any good. They could have told you. You, yeah. you didn't need the film to evaluate that. Yeah. We've seen it, pal. Now, like I wrote last week, I do think they can find a group to be what friend of the show Jeff Cameron calls butt-ass average. Um, can they get to butt-ass average? Because they were below that the last two seasons. Um, I don't know. I hope they. I hope so. Because if they are, this defense is good enough to win you some games where you can score just enough points, I think, anyway, um, to win some games you're not supposed to, maybe. Uh, well, and we'll see. We know what that offensive line is, but I I tip my cap to Alice Atkins, who's praised constantly, and especially on the recruiting trail, one of our best recruiters so far right now. Um, and I think he deserves praise for that, and I think he'll be fine in the future, but he's got his work cut out for him this season. Uh, you know, you saw the clip of our best lineman getting absolutely bullied on the inside there, Dante Lucas. Not, yeah, not a great yeah, day for saw- the Pope. I saw Pope get absolutely de- demolished by Jarrett Jackson, who's not even eligible to play. So I was like, yeah. you know, I can't get excited about Jarrett Jackson because he's not eligible to play this year. But it I can't sucks, get by the way. He should Pope. be just – everyone should be and eligible then, this year. It's a freaking pandemic. Exactly. And then uh, on the, the very next drive that I saw or the next play that I saw, I saw Brady Scott, who's, you know, depending on who you ask, probably going to start at the other guard position and probably going to be one of our better offensive linemen. Yep. I saw him get destroyed by Marvin. Okay, that's fair. Marvin is Marvin. Marvin's going to do that to top-tier offensive linemen. Right. But you just seeing those back-to-back, it's like, oh, boy. And then you saw the, the picture of uh, the video of uh, you know what Dr- Josh Griffiths did, and it's just, boy, discouraging, discouraging. I hope that we can at least snap the ball. Uh, with some some competency, but if Bavion's the starting center, then I don't know. Don't even that. speak it. Don't so. even speak it. Don't speak that. Great young man, I'm sure, but don't speak that into my existence, please. He'll be a great professional, something other than athletics, I'm sure. But hey, that, hey, the ACC doesn't want to hear that right now. No, <laughs> we need them to be professional in sports, football, <laughs> money, brr. Uh, that's another topic. But uh, uh, so yeah, man. 
I think coming out of the scrimmage and the Monday practice, which Coach Norvell was clearly not pleased with, and that's probably the most fired up I've seen him. Uh, I loved it. I, I think it. it was great. Nope. I, I I agree with you. I think it was great. It's nice to have the no BS, no punches pulled. That practice sucked. Hope we get to do it again better tomorrow. I I I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, that's something that you know. I don't want to keep bringing this name up on this podcast. I'd like to forget him, but that's something that we really hadn't got out of a practice since Jimbo. Yeah, uh, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo is one that wouldn't hold his punches and he would tell it like it is uh, if yep. he was displeased. And I was very glad to see that that kind of emotion, that kind of passion out of Mike when it's not necessarily positive emotion. So that right. was, you know, it sucks to have a bad practice. Sure. But having a coach that gets fired up and is going to actually you have confidence in that he'll make the changes necessary to not repeat mistakes. Right. That's a that's that's signs of encouragement for the future. I, it excited me a little bit, and I only say about, you know, there's always going to be bad practices. If every practice is great, no practice is great, you know, like, you know, like uh, Visser touched on in the last segment. But I, I think I expected a bad practice almost because coming off of a scrimmage, it's normally what you get. You're coming down off that game day environment, high, playing inside Doe Campbell Stadium, some of these guys for the first time. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different, it's a little bit of a come down, but we did see coming out of, you know, the early week practices and the scrimmage where the quarterback or the backup quarterbacks were live. And a lot of people questioned Mike Novell on that. Not me because Jimbo Fisher used to do that. I remember when he would, uh, run some of those guys out there and they were live and I think that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. It's early. And how can you ever know what it's like to get hit by a Division One defensive lineman and, or, or or linebacker until you do? Yep. <laughs> you know, you're not going and, – and and obviously we're talking about Chubba Purdy. It's a broken collarbone. He's going to be out a while. Takes him out of the quarterback race, I think. I would – you know, unless uh, – Yeah, I would have to yeah. imagine. Yeah, so, but you know, next – Just missing – you know, I touched on – I wrote an article about that injury uh, yesterday. And just right. – just, the sheer fact that he's missing these reps to gain chemistry with his offensive line and his receivers right. and the other quarterbacks aren't like, I just yes. think that puts him behind the curve a little bit. I do still have full confidence in Chubba that he's going to be a fine quarterback from Florida state in the future. I just don't think it's going to be as early as what we had, what we had hoped. Well, and I think a lot of us were hoping on the fact that, uh that somebody other than Jane Blackman was going to start. I think I could kind of put that out of my head now. Uh, I think that Jane Blackman is a guy. And if you look, we don't know what's coach Beak, what's not coach Beak this time of year. There right. seem to be satisfied with them, but we don't know that for sure. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's true and what's not true. I'm more inclined to believe uh, coach Norvell on that, but you know, it, it <laughs> there's a part of me that's just so hesitant to pull that clutch on Jane Blackman and his ability right now. But, hey, we're we're on this show, we're only doubters of Jane Blackman because of what he's given us. Yeah. But I'm more than willing to change my stance as the season goes. If he comes out, guns a-blazing, slings that thing around, throws for a bunch of yards and has a great time, I'm down. I, I, I would love to see it. And Mike Norvell, coming out of uh, Tuesday's practice, seems to be pretty uh, satisfied with uh, Jane Blackman so far. Yeah, you're exactly right. And then the other quarterback that appears to be uh, comfortably in the QB2 slot, Tate Roadmaker, he apparently you know looked pretty good uh, in the scrimmage and in practice. And he's, man, from what I can tell, from what I've seen, 
he's developing some nice chemistry chemistry with a couple targets. And so, yeah, e- either way you stack it, I don't think that you can be discouraged by the quarterback room because what we've seen the past three seasons as far as depth uh, right. has been troublesome. And so even if it is James Blackman, that's okay. We'll right. get through it. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, I don't want to just have to get through another season. I've done that enough around here. Um, yeah, there were, look, there's some interesting stuff, but it's very early on in camp. It's hard to tell what's real and what's not real. We're still weeks away from kicking off against Georgia Tech. If that if that happens, I'm going to go ahead and, again, say that it's going to happen. When. When. Thank you. When that happens, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> one more thing I'll say is these players look different. They sure look, and we've praised Coach Storms on this show already, but I'd like to do it one more time. These guys, especially on defense, look different. They get, they're going to get off the bus and look like actual Division One football players and not string beans. No more. No more string beans. Everyone looks thick and ready to go with big necks and big traps and big quads. And I know this sounds weird, grown man talking about, but you get the point. That's, that's where we were, and this is where we are now. We will at least yeah. look more organized and look like real football players when we line up against Georgia Tech, I think. I know you like the swag, sir, but I, I have a feeling that's not coming back. I want to swag, sir. Actually, I'll be okay if we don't swag, sir, as long as White Mike brings whoop that trick to kick off never straight from gonna Memphis. Happen. Because never going to happen. <laughs> never say never, pal. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, I agree. This team is an impressive-looking bunch. Just look at Stephen Dix Jr. My God, he's chiseled. My, <laughs> he's an, he's an 18, 19-year-old kid. Right. Uh, he, he, he looks like something else. Uh, again, a little teaser here. We might get to hear a little bit more about what Florida State did in the offseason coming up. I can't put a little too much on that, but I'll say, you know, you'll know when you know. Um, Dustin, anything else you have on Florida State or anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here, man? Solid episode uh, that we recorded here tonight, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, as always. Now, uh, we do have one more bit of injury notes from the scrimmage. Uh, tight end right. depth. Yeah, yeah, let's touch on thinner. that. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Wilson transfer from. UCLA grad transfers coming to Tallahassee for his final year of eligibility suffered a torn lower. Uh, I'm sorry, a lower leg injury, which we believe is a torn Achilles is what yes. we've heard. And uh, so he's done for the year. Mike Norvell did say they're going to apply for a six year of eligibility so he can indeed finish his career Seminole, but that sucks for him. You never want to see an injury like that. I mean, look at, I remember when Kevin Durant snapped his, it's just, you could see it pop like a rubber band. It was disgusting. And, uh, if you've ever had a had an Achilles injury at all, you know how terrible that feels. So sucks for him. It also sucks for the deputy Chris Thompson. His uh, his group. Yeah, it does. man. We thought we were okay because we had Cameron, and then Jordan Wilson comes in, and you got some talented guys behind him that have never played. Now you got Cameron McDonald and three guys who have never taken a snap in college at wide, at uh, tight end. You know, of course, Wyatt Rector is not a freshman, but he's previously been a quarterback. Right. He looks okay. He looks okay from yeah. clips that I've seen, but you know they're only going to show you the good stuff when they're exactly. trying to only show stuff looking like that. At the good stuff. Carter Boatwright yep. and uh, Marquez and Douglas. Yep. Never played. So yep. we'll and Preston Daniels, a walk-on, has been getting some praise. So that tells you the 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 status of the tight end position when a walk-on's getting praise, and as in we might have to use him at times. It's something to keep your eyes on, but right. I wrote about uh, Jordan Wilson's injury as well. You can find that at allseminoles.com along with the uh, Chubba Purdy article. 
Yeah, man. And just to touch on it real quick, that's a tough injury. He was ma- uh, he uh, he was turning heads. He was making you know name for himself. He was probably going to see a significant role within this offense alongside Cam McDonald. But now it's a Cam McDonald show. Someone else is going to have to step up. We know what Mike Norvell likes to do with his tight ends. And I don't think he's going to be able to utilize them the way he would like to in this first year just because of the depth. But I think we're going to see a lot of Cam McDonald, at least in my opinion. Hopefully he elevates his game a little bit more like I've been asking for. I'm hearing that's what's taking place. But, again, you never know. It sucks for Jordan Wilson. And I do think he will get that six-year if everything I'm hearing is correct. I, th- I think he's going to end up getting that, and that's great for the program and great for him. Um, you know, yeah. I hope so. But here's the thing with the NCAA. So, yeah. as you know, and as hey, our thanks. listeners, uh, yeah. some some of our listeners may know, I live Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, University of Tennessee, Cade Mays. Uh, a local kid, his dad played football at Tennessee. He committed to Georgia a couple years ago, went down to Georgia, and now he's transferring back home. He wants to come home and play for Tennessee. The NCAA today denied his waiver uh, his waiver request. Amid COVID, when rules really need to be set aside for things like this, because, yeah, he did, he did transfer before COVID, but that doesn't matter. So... I said that to say that you never really know with the NCAA what their thought process is. You know, I remember how wait the FSU had to wait last year for Jordan Travis when Justin Fields was given immediate. You know, it's just what, what are you doing? So, who knows? We'll see. Fingers crossed for for Jordan Wilson in that sixth year. Yep, I hope so, man. And I, you know, <laughs> I just want to uh, make sure that I reiterate: you could find. Pieces on Jordan Wilson, you find it on Chubba Purdy, and everything else coming out of that scrimmage. I wrote last week a piece you can find on the site now, just kind of a recap of the first week of fall camp. It might be a little dated now because we've seen the scrimmage, but there's still some good information there that you know we all gleaned in from asking. You know, we're we're watching the player interviews, we're watching the coaches' interviews. You know, this is kind of all we have because we can't watch practice at this time. So it's been a little more difficult than it normally would be. But we hope you read everything up on allseminoles.com. Remember to check out all the pieces over there. Me, Dustin, David. We have other contributors over there as well. Chloe Clutchin uh, also does it. If you're interested in baseball, she does a lot of that stuff. And in the offseason, which is killing it on the trail, I'll save it for another episode. But, again, allseminoles.com. You can find this show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. is going to be on some other place as well. Again, thank you, Ingram Smith, for coming on tonight. Dustin, anything else you want to tell people before we get out of here? Um, I would like to have football, so do your due diligence when it comes to COVID. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not to get political, but wear a mask, and we'll see you next time on the All Seminoles Pod. <laughs>